Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's hang out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Les Hangout, the podcast that we record every week after I finish putting my kids to bed. From the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. And if you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. And we'd love to start with all of the events that we have going on. Our next trivia night is going to be Shit's Creek Trivia Night in Boston on March 26th. I am so excited. So hope to see all of you there. We also would like to let you know we're hiring trivia hosts in other cities. So email us at events at leshangoutpod.com if you're interested. We also want to remind you we have two live shows scheduled right now. The first one is coming up in just a few weeks. So don't miss out. Thursday, March 12th, we are going to be at The Virgil in L.A. You can buy your tickets ahead of time. They are $15. If you buy them ahead, they will be $20 day of. And you can get those tickets at bit.ly slash lesla. And we are very excited about the guests that will be joining us. We've already announced Ashley Perez of BuzzFeed fame. We love her so much. And we are so excited to announce that Elise Bauman will be our second guest. You might know her as Laura from Carmilla. And we are so excited to have her on our live show in LA. It's going to be an absolute blast. If you want to join us in Toronto, I know it is a bit away, but it is never too early to plan a trip to Canada. Friday, July 10th. We are going to be at Burdock Music Hall in Toronto at 6.30, and we're going to be hanging out with Karen and Gwen from Barbell. We are so excited to have a little Canadian adventure, aren't we, Lee? <laughs> we're international <laughs> podcasting stars now. We've made and it. And you can get tickets for that at bit.ly slash lestoronto. In the greater Les universe, I want to talk about a little tidbit that I just learned. So as I'm sure everyone knows about, if you haven't seen it yet, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Lee just made me watch the trailer. <laughs> I was going to spare you, Ellie, but Ellie hadn't even heard of it. And I, I think we're, I'll own we're my taking shame. away her gay card. I'm going to find shame. a new co-host. <laughs> All right. We're taking applications at. <laughs> yes. So email us, leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Um, so Portrait of a Lady on Fire, super, super gay. It's supposed to be an incredible movie. I cannot, I feel it's an attack that I haven't seen it yet. I'm very upset. But I also just read an article about how the director, who is a queer woman herself, Celine Siama, also, I didn't realize, used to date the actress who plays the main character. So Kat her ex in her gay movie which i just that's that gay bullshit that i'm here for if that movie does not get rave reviews like it was all for nothing so you better watch the film <laughs> you do not cast your ex in a film unless you know it's going to be a banging film yeah or you cast them in a horrible film if you hate them but i don't think that's the case I feel like we should email Celine a link to our episode on staying friends with your exes. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening in this gay week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. 
Thanks, Ellie and Lee. We are so excited to bring you episode 11 of season three, Mama Pear. And we are so excited to be joined by two special guests. We have Naisha and Samantha Davis-Williams, a.k.a. Two Mommies and a Baby. We met Naisha and Samantha at the weekend soiree, and we are so excited to have them here. I'm going to give you a quick bio on Naisha and Samantha so all of our listeners know who you are. Naisha and Samantha welcomed their baby girl in February 2018. The duo are very passionate about representing for the LGBTQ community, which led them to become first-time authors with their children's book titled Umi and Uma, the story of two mommies and a baby. The two pridefully represent women of color within the LGBTQ community and was the first married same-sex couple of color who participated and won HGTV's hit game show, Flea Market Flip. Probably their most impressive feat. <laughs> Hello. Which somehow we didn't even get into at the weekend. Sorry, I didn't know that. I'm learning so much in this bio. Yes, yes. Um, it's actually available. It's on YouTube, but you have to pay $1.99 for it. <laughs> Oh, I will pay one ninety nine. It's worth it, worth it. And I had a chance when we were at the weekend sorry, I picked up a copy of Umi and Uma, the story of two mommies and a baby, which is super, super cute. I'm sure we're going to tell all of you where to find it later on. But it's a story of two women of color in the land of Astrin who wanted to have a baby as their family felt incomplete. And it explores the ideas of equality and expressing the appreciation of a natural birth with the assistance of a doula. So after all of that, Naisha and Samantha, oh my God, thanks so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you so much for having Thank us. You. We're so excited. We have been looking forward to this uh, since we met you two uh, at the Weekend Soiree because... What a weekend. What a weekend. What an amazing weekend. <laughs> I can't wait until DC. How about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, tell me about it. I know. As soon as they announced it, we were like, okay, so let's clear our calendar. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. We are so excited. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your journey with starting your family? Wow. Okay. So I, I know that's a big you. question. I know it is. <laughs> uh, in short, um, when Samantha and I got together in 2010, she immediately told me she wanted to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Oh no, not a baby. She wanted uh, 10 kids. Yeah. <laughs> so this was first date? <laughs> wow. Um, like first month. Yeah. Wow. Well, you got to set up your requirements. Like, you know, these are my non-negotiables. Yeah, that was a non-negotiable. She said, <laughs> do, do you want children. want children? And I told her, honestly, I said, I'm not ready for that right now. And she was mm-hmm. honest as well. She said, that's fine. It doesn't have to be now or within the next year or two. But this is something that you need to know about me. Yeah. And then I also wanted to get married. Yeah, she wanted to get married, and I wanted to get married as well. So that was clear. We knew we wanted that to happen. But I want to say 10 children. That's what she wanted. I thought she was insane. I was like, well, okay, we'll get there. But are you still on board for that? Not at all. Was a, a um, silent shake of the head for our listeners. <laughs> it was like ten. Then it went to three, and then well, we went to two. We agreed on two. We agreed on two. Yes. Um, and then we had Abby. Um, and then myself because Samantha gave birth to Abigail. I um I did attempt pregnancy uh, four tries. Um, it wasn't success. Uh, I want to say. I didn't quit, but I said, you know what? I'm just going to walk away at the moment. So I would say our goal is uh, to adopt, a uh, foster to adopt. That's our next goal. Within, yes. I would say within maybe three to five years. Hey, I'm sure if you put in for nine kids, you might get them. <laughs> <laughs> 
I honestly not do it. I can't. My mind, my patience, my smile, I, I won't hold this together. <laughs> I have friends, they went overnight, they got like four kids that they're fostering wow. right now or something, which I just is insane to me. Yeah. I'm like, you wow. are basically superheroes as yes. far as I'm concerned. So yes. So tennis though possible. It's <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. Okay, so you have one. You have you have one daughter. Who is how old now? I mean, I, we sort of introduced her for anyone who's not, you know, fast on the month math in their head. Yeah, she'll be two uh, this February. February 2020, she will be two years old. Yeah. Two February years. February 2013. That's crazy. Two years, you now have your, you know, you're out of the newborn fog. You can look back with all of the wisdom and knowledge of everything that you've learned through this whole process. So outside of that first month of dating, (laughs) (laughs) having the conversation about having 10 kids, once you actually kind of settled down and were ready to start thinking about this and like, how did that conversation start? Like what were like the first steps to really making this happen? I think, like, for me, it was always on my plan, but for Nye, there's, like, a shift change. I wasn't sure if, like, you saw people with kids, and then you started kind of, like, envisioning your life with kids, but as soon as she was ready, I was ready. (laughs) So, once we were both on the same page that this was the time, I think for me, I personally had, like, a time crunch, because I had this thing about turning 30, and I wanted to have the child the same time that my mother had me. Like, I had, like, this whole, like, specific plan that I needed to have. Mm. So I was in, like, more of a time crunch. So it was more of us shifting in our focus to having a child. And we just kind of made the decision, but didn't really think about what that really, like, how do you actually do it? Was the plan always for you to carry first? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because she came to me with this, yes. I want to have children. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like I we didn't even question it further. Yeah, it was always her. Yes. Once you were like, okay, it's time. I feel like as queer women, we're always like <laughs> put into I swear to, even now, I feel like people are like my mom will be like, "So like, are you going to carry the baby or like is she?" Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like stuff that people yeah. are always asking you. Or the most frustrating one, like, "Are you going to get pregnant at the same time?" Same time? Uh- <laughs> Did that ever cross your mind? (laughs) People ask us that all the time. All the time. It and and like we were like, hell no, hell no. But Um, thinking now, I'm like, dang, maybe we should have tried. But then I'm still like, no. Yeah, we agree. Like thinking now, because of we would, you know, like another child and not have to deal with newborn life again. We say that, but I'm happy. It was fine. We did not get pregnant at the same time. We could have. Isn't that the beauty of a queer relationship? (laughs) No. No. (laughs) It is not. Look, I feel like I need a PSA for our Mm -hmm. listeners. Nothing against pregnancy, because, you know, I'm just uh, such a big fan of pregnancy. If you've ever met a pregnant woman and or been a pregnant woman, Mm -hmm. no relationship needs two of those at the same time. That's just... That's too many, it's too much hormones. It's just too, it's, it's too much. Did you have a relatively easy pregnancy? For me, um, like it was fine. I think I had like more pain when it came to like my tailbone, but for the most Mm. part, it was an okay experience. I think also like for me, like within my personality, I like to take things like 
uh, within the moment or one day at a time. So if, if yesterday was like horrible, I guess I didn't focus on that, but it was fine. But that process also helped me deal with the contraction because I did do a natural birth. So that pain was very intense. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to compare it to. I didn't like do any research. I was not on Google. I didn't want to hear anybody pregnancy story. I just kind of just wanted to go through it and just be oblivious to what could actually happen so that you and anything... I are like opposite humans <laughs> <laughs> we are like the dead opposite of each other and I kind of love it but, no but it's great because it's so cool to be like there's no right way or wrong way to do this no. there's just like what's the way that's gonna make you the happiest and the most comfortable with it and like we are very opposite people <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know Ellie you were saying besides the questions that people ask like there's The process of deciding to start a family as queer women is different, right? I mean, it's not the same as any straight couple. Most of the time, any straight couple is is typically going to start that journey by saying like, hey, we've decided we want to get pregnant, like ditch the birth control, whatever method we happen to be using. And like, here we go. Let's do this. Right. It is not that straightforward for us. Like there's a lot of things that have to fall into place and decisions that you have to make. So what were some of the first decisions? Like what were some of the first questions that you started talking through when you started thinking about this? Well, our first decision I want to address, actually, um, because we have a known donor, uh, was narrowing down within our uh, five male, five Mm -hmm. male (laughs) friends who we would ask. So we had to... I think it was also deciding whether we wanted to have a donor or get sperm from, like, the sperm bank. Because we did look into that route, but it was very different, like... One thing I think it just takes like the romance or like the connection out of everything. So that's like shopping on a sperm bank was just like <laughs> them. I felt like I was trying to find like the perfect like blue pants with like this zipper. Like the amount of questions they ask you mm-hmm. um, when you shop online, like it just that really like overwhelmed me. So the first time we thought about having a child, like that's the process that we ended up going because none of our friends were available at that particular time. Mm-hmm. But then I, I just stopped. Like I just couldn't go through that process further because I felt like it was too technical for me to kind of like figure out what to choose. I don't know. I guess I didn't want to be wrong. I don't know. It's your donor. <laughs> you, you built a profile. But that's another thing. We were very limited with our requirements. I'm five foot eleven. You two have seen me in person. <laughs> um, and my main requirement, I wanted a taller donor. Mm-hmm. And once, of course, you know, unfortunately, we had started with five thousand searches with uh, search results brought down to African American, maybe five hundred. Yeah, and then we added the height. <laughs> when we added the height, um, and, and then yeah. we added the height and added known donors. Yeah, that was very. I really wanted to have a known donor. Yeah. We should have taken a picture of me and Naisha standing next to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that didn't, it didn't work out for us. We were yeah. brought down to maybe about 20 people. And then we were like, oh my gosh, should we pay to see his baby pictures? And I'm like, this is, I can't. Yeah. So we actually yeah. put it on pause for about a year. And then um, here's the thing. We asked the friends that we were interested in. One said, yeah, I'm definitely into it. I can't wait to take the baby for a full year at the summer, at summertime. And we were like, oh, wow. Oh, we're not down for Mm -hmm. that Uh, we appreciate it but we're not down for that another friend said wow I'm gonna feel very 
odd that, you know, I'm not actually in the baby's life, which is totally understandable. And then our third and final choice, he said, okay, but his current girlfriend at the time said, no, not happening because he didn't want to give her a baby. He He's a father already of one. And he didn't you want another child. his teeth. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, he's a known donor to us. It was, it was like funny. that L word episode. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Literally. Uh, I mean, word. I'm open if you want me to stop being. No, no, no. Real. Okay. <laughs> so that's what happened. So being that he said yes, and but he actually understood the L word. He was like, yeah, I've seen the L word before. I don't mind helping you out. So being that he said <laughs> the yes, L but his girlfriend said women no. women get donors since whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Since 2000, um, when did that come out? Five, six, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Oh God. Um, yes. Oh my God, I was so young. Samantha's oh, a few years older than me. <laughs> Once she said no, we were like, oh, don't know what to do. Um, but then we waited. Maybe it was like a year and a half later, and he actually contacted us and said, how you know, just checking in, how you two doing? Okay. Um, he said, I was just curious, anyone pregnant yet? And no, no. And he was like, I'm willing to help if you know you still need the help. And I said, what happened to your girlfriend? Then we're not together anymore. Wow. Okay. And we, we this was a group Stop chat. It. And then, yeah, I was like, <laughs> this is a group chat. And then I texted Samantha privately. You serious? You ready? Oh my God, what's going on? And then it went from there. <laughs> That's so crazy. I feel like that is probably one of the first things that I think people need to decide. As much as we might wish otherwise, you still kind of right now need like the two genetic sources yes. to to mm-hmm. make a child Absolutely. and like where where are you getting that sperm like Seriously. that's a big question <laughs> you know? yeah. um, and it is i think it's there's a there's a lot that factors into it you know like we also have a known donor but yeah same thing it's when once you start making that list it is a small list of people that yeah. you actually are willing to to ask and i also know that some people feel really a lot more comfortable with an anonymous donor you know like for a, a lot yeah. of different reasons we have a friend who is having to use uh, an egg donor and also felt felt very strongly like was much more comfortable just having an anonymous donor as opposed to like asking you know like a friend or a family member or something like that I mean there's just there's so many different ways that people relate to those ideas you know or adoption right I mean or saying hey like we actually don't need to carry a child to have a child Mm -hmm. I think that first step of starting your family is just figuring out you know like what path are we taking and then like once you kind of pick that road that can set a lot of other things in motion but yeah it can be a long time how long would you say from the time that you started saying like hey we want to do this we're ready to like actually starting trying like how long do you would you say that process took because for us it was like four years from when you first said like we're gonna do this and you're like narrowing down the list of people to like the first time you tried about a year yes a year yeah it's not like tomorrow all the time so it's i think it's good for people to know like there's a lot of thought that has to thought that has to go into it and like things that have to fall into place. Absolutely. Um, and thinking about the environment, I can just share my experience when we was starting with Samantha, of course it was just us two. So it, he was a known donor. He did his thing and it was just us and that's it. For me, I had a baby downstairs and we actually moved. My mother-in-law, we lived in a house with my mother-in-law. She was here. We had our midwife here, him there. For me, I'll be honest, you have to think where your mind will be. It wasn't a comfortable situation for me. Like he was in the bathroom. I'm sitting on the bed with my legs in the air. Mother-in-law's downstairs with the baby, seated her in the high chair. Midwife is there playing with the baby. Okay, he's done. I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Yeah. 
that would, I'll be very honest. I didn't think it would be like that, but for me, that's what my process was because of our family. Yeah. 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 Trying for the second time is, it's different. <laughs> it's different. Yes. Yeah, way different. <laughs> I'm curious too, since you did choose a known donor, for you, how much involvement do you want that person to have in your child's life? And also, how do you set boundaries with that person mm -hmm. that are very clear? Yeah, I'm so happy you asked. Like for me specifically, I wanted to have a known donor because I think, in my opinion, I don't know. I just wanted her to have access if she wanted to have access that was available. But he does see her. It's not like he's out of our lives. He sees her, but their interaction is... Like, I would say he's just like a friend. Yeah, like a friend. Just like a friend. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what he is to us. Being that she, does, she doesn't see many males, she... And because of TV and things oh around the world, she automatically this thinks baby shark, baby shark, and daddy, and daddy shark, shark, and yeah, mommy shark. She is like totally like putting everyone in categories. Yes. <laughs> so she immediately started calling him daddy. Me, I said, uh, uh, no, that's not happening. And I gave her his name, and she addresses him by his name, and that makes me so happy. He addresses her as Abigail. She addresses him by his name, and that's what it is. So just as a friend. You know, like, well, besides, we haven't asked him to watch her yet because <laughs> that's what friends do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just coming around, if we're doing something together and he just pops by, no more than, you know, two to three hours, he's a friend. That's it. Yeah. I really like that idea, too, because I do think thinking about, like, all of the things that could happen just, like, mm -hmm. in the future, mm -hmm. eventually maybe she'll want to know, like, how was I created, right? <laughs> Who yes. Yes. I know that there mm -hmm. had to be some sort of sperm involved and who is that? Because I actually, I have a friend from college and she has two moms. And mm -hmm. the sperm donor, he is almost like an uncle to her. Like she sees him oh. as part of the family, but not a parental figure. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he was, you know, around. And like you said, I, I like the idea of like a friend. It's someone you know. Mm -hmm. It's someone you can care about. And they care about her. But they know that when it comes down to it, you are her parents. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm very happy with all of our decisions. With, and we had those specific conversations. You have to have that conversation when we started the process. He said, I'm not, I said, we don't want any financial support from you, not at all. And he said, good, because I don't And I said, we just really appreciate you helping us out. That's what we need, obviously. And that's how it went from there, right? This is like my PSA episode. PSA, the other way that you handle that is ideally, legally, there will be documents. I mean, at, while we're talking about all the other things that are required for starting a family, things like finding a donor or going through a sperm bank or whatever, there's a lot more paperwork involved to having a baby when yeah. you are a queer family. So, you know, you'll be drafting things up. State to state is going to be different, different. but, yep. you know, probably you will want a lawyer who has done this before or find like a, a good forum of people who have done this before and have paperwork both for our protection and for their protection you know so for us to have the protection of you don't have rights to this child and for him to have the protection of like you can't come to me for money if you decide you you want that you know so it's it's good all around but it does add you know time and cost and but it stuff. secures everything our adoption was just finalized december 19th and we're good he doesn't yeah. have any rights and we don't have any rights to claim anything from mm -hmm. him. Uh, so we're good. It's a, So December 19th. Wow. I would say uh, so that makes it almost a year and a half for us. But that's because of 
procrastination and travel. And <laughs> um, then our living situation changed. So uh, the social worker here in New York, we have to have a home study. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. Lee, it's different in all states. So we had to have a home yeah, study. Yeah, I still can't believe that. You were telling us that when we were in New Orleans. And that's yeah. crazy to yeah. me. Yeah. So being that the, the you know the, our home dynamic changed, home study had to take place with grandma because grandma lives in the house. <laughs> People were joking like, well, we don't know if grandma has anything in her background check, but, <laughs> if, but say if that would have happened, our adoption would have been um, declined. And like, I can't yeah. believe that. So thankfully everyone was good. <laughs> yes. Grandma's above board. Good right. to know. <laughs> okay. This is just like something that's come up as we're talking because I'm just thinking about this. A lot of this stuff is very clinical, right? And like talking about lawyers, we're talking about like, okay, we got to go to a sperm bank and get people. Like, how do you as queer women find also like the romance of the like, we're making a baby together? <laughs> you know? You don't, you don't have to get too graphic with this. No, you know, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be like, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, you can make like some connection, but I think being okay with some romance diminishing from the experience, I think will be a little bit more helpful because you can do like certain things like before and after, like during the process. But I think sometimes you want it to be the whole process and it's just not going to happen that way. It's not. Um, Because there's there's always a portion of it that, you know, like for me, I think one of the frustrating things for me was like, why everybody else don't have to do this? Like, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. the the, the case with the social worker, why she asking me all these questions? She needs to go ask everyone that pop out a child the same question. So it's just, I think it's more of it. Sometimes it's like the frustration of it not being like, I guess, like a... A process that's like has the same laws around it as everyone else that was like a little bit more frustrating but just finding moments to connect and finding different unique ways to connect is helpful and understanding that you're in the process together is helpful it's also i think it's important for you know if any of our listeners are thinking of starting down this journey soon <laughs> uh one thing that's actually really nice about it is it is completely separate from your sex life as yes. queer women, right? There is nothing glamorous about making a child. Like, no matter <laughs> whether you're straight, if you're gay, or however you're doing this, like, in some ways, it is always a clinical process. It has to be, you know? Like, straight couples, you are tracking your cycle, you're charting mm-hmm. your temperatures, you're peeing on strips yep. all the time. And, like, and, we, you know, we have friends, straight couples, who tried for, like, two years. And that's two years of, like, every month going mm. through this roller coaster mm-hmm. ride of, yep. like, now is the time it has to be tonight we're doing it this then we're doing yes. it in this many hours then we're doing mm-hmm. this again and now i'm tracking and now i'm waiting and now i'm peeing and it didn't happen and we're doing it again next oh month gosh. and like mm-hmm. that takes a huge toll on your sex life mm-hmm. uh, as a couple that like it doesn't for us mm-hmm. like it just you know it's completely kind of separate from that which in some ways can be really nice i mean it takes a little bit of the magic out of it i think is is what you're getting at mm-hmm. ellie but it's clinical no matter how you're going about it because yeah. it's that's what it is it's like a medical process that you're mm-hmm. kind of embarking on you know yeah speaking of sorry i'm like speaking of medical <laughs> <laughs> but i know in your book and also in your real life story you had a doula you wanted a natural birth Can we talk a little bit about why you chose that path 
and how that went for you? I didn't even know what a doula was before this process. <laughs> I'm, like I said, I don't do much research on <laughs> the whole process. I think, Nye, you heard about it. So I didn't realize, but I was actually taught what a doula was in college. Uh, but because it was my senior year, I didn't really pay attention. Uh, by uh, The Business of Being Born is a Netflix documentary with yes, Ricky Lake. Mean. But this kind of ties back to your question when you mentioned how do we make it romantic or how do we do the best we can? I wanted to provide, you know, the ultimate experience for my wife. So I'm like, ooh, doula, you know, that person can help. Let me contact a doula. Let me, I started doing research. Oh my goodness. And it was fun research to seeing how people's simple biography made me feel warm. And I'm, I wasn't the pregnant mom, you know, so I'm like, okay, my wife, first of all, we have different wave, different personalities. Uh, she likes to be touched on certain moments. So this doula would have to be very specific. So I just kept doing research and I said, babe, you know, this person will provide specific emotional and physical support that I can't. So are you open to this? Uh, I guess. Pregnant. This is pregnant, Sam. Uh, I, <laughs> I guess. This is July. Remember, I was sitting on a... Uh, she, I wanted to go out. This is 4th of July. I wanted to go out, but she was tired. So I'm just sitting on our recliner doing research. And I'm like, this is great. I found someone. And then she told me she didn't complete her certification. I said, well, take doula out your bio then. <laughs> <laughs> but she referred me to a nonprofit organization that actually worked on a sliding scale. And the money that we paid went to moms who were pregnant and couldn't afford a doula. So that made me feel solid oh, gold. Awesome. Yeah, solid gold. Um, And yeah. That's where we got our doula. It's called Ancient Song Services. They're in, uh, located in Brooklyn. I'm right there with you. Doulas are fantastic. I'm just full of PSAs. But my other PSA, because I do think doulas are great, and especially because you're both women of color as well, that I know there are a number of doulas who, who serve primarily communities of color and women of mm-hmm. color. Mm-hmm. And if you can find any in your area or if you find any who have like PayPal's or Kickstarters or things like Donate to them because it's fantastic and it's super, super important, especially for for anyone who isn't aware that women of color giving birth are like one of the very at risk populations of mothers in our country. Mm-hmm, um, Doulers mm-hmm. are so, so important for like keeping people safe and healthy before and after birth. So, OK, I will. I feel like we should have given me like a strict number of PSAs in this episode. I'm going to make, I'm gonna make a little like <laughs> musical cue every time Lee does a PSA. We'll make a drinking game out of it <laughs> yeah. this episode. It'll yeah. be great. OK, take yeah. a shot. Lee had a PSA. It's fine. <laughs> This PSA brought to you by Lee Holmes Foster. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I do think we should talk a little bit about, you know, once you've gotten to the point of deciding to do this, you're trying, you finally get pregnant, then it's something that you've been doing as a couple that takes like a very forked path for the two of you when one of you is carrying 
and one of you is not, right? And so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about, like, what was the journey through pregnancy like from the two sides of, like, being the gestational parent versus the non-gestational parent? Um, I think for me, I think just going through pregnancy, like, one thing that was frustrating is that she couldn't understand, like, what I was going through, like, physically. Because in, like, the first uh, trimester, like, I didn't want to be touched, like, at all. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just being around anyone, like, it just made me nauseous. I didn't want, like, I t- the smells. Like, it was just, like, I think we even, like, slept in separate areas. Like, I just did not want to be around, like, anyone. And that, like, going from being together, you know, being on top of each other and just being connected physically and going from, like, a drastic change was something that definitely impacted our relationship and us just not being aware that it is, like, the change in your body and the hormones because it is a transition. But once that stage was, like, a little bit over, it got, like, a little bit better so second and third, it wasn't that bad. But third, you know, you, you see the actual pregnancy. So it's a little bit easier to, I guess, understand. I don't know. <laughs> it was easier for me to understand in the third, I agree. And honestly, as she mentioned, the frustrating part was I couldn't understand what was <laughs> internally going on. Um, And I, I I love my wife. Like, I want her to be next to me. I like cuddling. Uh, We cuddled last night. Like, we don't cuddle because Abigail's in the bed. Uh, but we actually cuddled last night. Don't suggest that. Don't suggest that. <laughs> and um, our cuddling felt great. I'm like, oh, my God, I missed this so much. She's like, don't touch me. And I'm like, oh. So also, don't touch me means I'm mad at you. But I'm like, how long are you going to be mad at me? But... <laughs> Um, so that was, that was difficult for me. Um, because like, I appreciate our bodies literally connected. I do. Also post-pregnancy, like how has that also affected you? I know you're breastfeeding and one of you is not. So what's, what's that like? So, and now it's funny cause I actually uh, participated in like an interview, me being the non-breastfeeding mom, how did I feel? And, um, in the beginning of the pregnancy, Mr. Samantha was actually pregnant she knew she wanted to breastfeed because she wanted to say, her answer is, I wanted to save money. It's not because I want a connection with my baby. She said, I didn't want to spend $20 on formula. <laughs> so that that gave me the opportunity to understand that my wife is breastfeeding. I'll have to think of my connection another way. So I said, I, I was fine. But that night when she said, no more boob, she said, no boob arm, I felt like elated. It felt very mm-hmm. different. I was like, I did this. I put her to sleep. <laughs> With my armpits. She that's how she goes to sleep. Even with grandma. Actually, it's people outside of Samantha, even though she she does it to Samantha as well, but that's where her comfort is. I am for breastfeeding. I do think I probably do it more because I don't want to buy formula. But I think it's and I do think, yes, you do have that bond with the child. But I think like at this point, I'm like approaching two years. I do think it's a little overrated in my opinion. Because it's like, <laughs> like the way how is it even like described? Like, oh my gosh, you just connect with your child and you bond and you like I'm not saying that's not true. I'm saying that having someone attached to your body when they feel like it <laughs> is not it's just a little annoying to me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to... Like, I literally... I used to tell... Because um, I breastfeed everywhere. Like, I don't care. I pop out my boob. I don't care who's looking. Like, it's literally like chicken to me. So, it's like, when she wants her chicken, she can have her chicken. That's literally <laughs> how it works. So, like... But then sometimes, chicken don't want to get eaten. So, it's just like... <laughs> 
It's just, that's how I feel. And I'm I, I'm probably, maybe because I'm, like, on the tail end of when I feel like I'm ready to stop. Because two years is kind of, like, when I think it's time to let go and let loose so I can get my body back. But, yeah, I just, I just feel like people don't talk about that part as much. Like, yes, you do bond with your child. You, you do have um, an experience. But once, like, you know, the teeth start coming in and the molars and all that and... They're trying to figure out how to maneuver their mouth. It's, it, you know, she like, she used to bite me at the end of her feeding. I'm like, that's how, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, there's there's less glamorous parts of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always tell my wife, thank you. I, I, do you agree, babe? Yes, yeah, she does. I, I do. I say thank you because it is a lot. Again, she's in our bed. She's on the boob. Um, sometimes she'll stay up late at night waiting for Samantha. She's kind of getting away from that, but Samantha does. She takes her liberty to make it home. So yeah, it's a different process, I, and it's something that I will always honor. Um, in the beginning, Samantha was actually she had a great flow. Like I'm so thankful she didn't oh, have yes. uh, a medium flow. Her flow was overflowing. Um, so that's another thing that I made sure I consciously took in. Like. Babe, your boobs are okay. Are you engorged? We have so many nipple pads. When I was washing, when I washed laundry, I made sure the nipple pads were there. It's a, it's a process. It's yeah. really a process. She couldn't wear gray shirts for yeah. the first eight, nine months because she would. No, be it was, it was a lot. And I think also like, because I think some um, people struggle more with like underproducing, and I like it was just a lot. So like, I think my complaint was more that like I couldn't go anywhere for like an hour and a half without it flowing out my clothes. Like, it was just... And I'm not ungrateful for the the lovely boob juice that I had, but I'm just saying, like, it's just something that I didn't prepare. But maybe if I did my research, I probably would have been prepared there for it. There you go. There you go. But it helped us out. We actually traveled to Fiji um, when Abigail was six months. Yeah. We had how many bags? Babe? It was like 68. 68 uh, bags. Six ounces uh, of milk. Yeah. Uh, you sure nice. it was six or eight? Yeah, man, traveling when you're pumping is a whole new experience. Yeah, that's a new, yes. that's another thing. We uh she pumped and dumped, right? You pumped and dumped because in we Fiji. couldn't yeah, in Fiji because we couldn't, you know, take it back. It would have been too it would have been hot too long. Um yeah. so we had it we bought a deep freezer specifically for the breast milk. Uh grandma was watching her and we got back so thankful we didn't have any layover issues. Mm-hmm. We got back when it was one bag of milk left. So it just worked wow. out. But I had backup. I had a friend who lived on Long Island an hour away who was going <laughs> to donate milk. And I had one friend who lived in Brooklyn who was going to go get the milk. I had a whole system because we were new moms. Even like everything set up. So I sent emails to everybody. Everyone was on deck to help us out. But we were down yeah. to our one bag. Yeah. And it's got pumping and dumping just like kills your soul yeah. too. Like, cause it's so yeah. much work and it's so much time. What would you say? I mean, other than the, I mean, breastfeeding is, is a big part of it, I think, but what, what would you say? Have you noticed that there's like different roles that you think you fall into on like, you know, both being mothers, like how do you sort of split things up from the role of parenting? Um, I think, um, Naisha likes everything to be equal. So like, even, like, getting Abby dressed in the morning, like, one of us has to get the food ready, mm-hmm. and then another one has to get Abby dressed. So mm-hmm. we both share that load. We do, and I think that's... We share the diaping, changing the, di- the diaper. <laughs> I don't say, baby, it's your turn. Well, only... Samantha <laughs> runs. She, she Samantha does. runs. I do not run. She runs when poopy diapers are around. I said, um... Mm. I said, go, Umi, go tell Umi I to clean not... your diaper. <laughs> <laughs> to change your diaper. I'm gonna tell lies today. Uh, it's not that like it's not you don't run physically, but it's like she has a poopy diaper. 
But it's funny because I think maybe because like I take like the overnight shift, like so when like Abby gets up, I don't know. I think like you just take like right before. So Naisha usually gives her a bath. I, I don't even think I yeah. gave Abby like twice, maybe. She's no, maybe her. like ten baths. Oh, like <laughs> yeah, we, okay. I don't fine. give her a bath. <laughs> she give her, even honestly, not... even dinner, even dinner because I'll of give her dinner. work schedule, work schedule. Like yeah. the only day you really give her dinner is Thursdays. Yes. When you come, when you pick her up. And weekends sometimes. And weekends sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's to me, that's where the role is. Mm-hmm. Um, and grandma also helps with that. Grandma gives her baths when I don't pick her up during uh, daycare. So Samantha's like, okay, time to go to sleep, boob. Um, and Abigail's used to that. <laughs> it hasn't been so recent, but um, she would tap her. Boot? Boot. She goes with boot, by the way, not boob. B-O-O-2. I prefer, I prefer boot. Boot? Mommy Boot. <laughs> And I'm like, really? <laughs> so Abigail knows the roles as well. Yeah. Yes. So cute. So I want to talk a little bit about your book, Umi and Uma. So what was your catalyst for writing the book, right? You, you plan your family, you have your family, and then you're sitting here and you're like, we need something else. Wait, first, can we talk about how yeah. you decided on Umi and Uma's names? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I did not want to go by mommy and mama. It was absolutely too boring for me. That was my take on it. And mm-hmm. then Samantha was like, yeah, I guess I agree. I think that's what you said, yeah. base. But it was too boring. Yeah, like, super mommy? boring. Who would do that? <laughs> oh, no, it's I'm okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I'm so sorry. It didn't work for me. I just didn't like it. Um, you, you like to be different. I like, well, not even that. It just sounded boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, Umi, you know me. I'm deeply offended, Naisha. I'm sorry, Never on the podcast Lee. again. I'm sorry. It just couldn't work for me. I'm bald, okay? It has to be a little different. <laughs> you gotta find you gotta find what fits. You gotta find something that fits. I'm sorry. So um Umi means mom in Arabic. My cousins actually call they're they're Muslim. They call their mom Arabic. Um they're way older than me. Um so when I saw that as a child, I really admired that. Wow, your mom goes by Umi and that mom. I really admired that. So that's something small. Um and then I had to look up other, I literally Googled other words from <laughs> other terms from mom and Uma came about um, and it's actually a part of the Hindu dialect means like yes. Hindu goddess. I said, perfect. Umi and Uma, and there we go. And who would have thought you would be the goddess? I'm the goddess. So um, our parents supported it 100%, and Abigail calls us Umi and Uma. She calls us mommy when she wants something, but she calls everyone mommy. mommy. That's another thing. When she wants something, she goes by mommy. I'm like, Abby, like we had our cousins, they picked her up last week just from one night, and she was calling our cousin daddy. Male and his children's mom, uh, mommy, and she and they were kind of concerned. Um, he said, I just want to let you know. He was like, it was like a deep conversation. He said, I just want you to know, um, she's been calling me daddy since she arrived. <laughs> and his girlfriend was like, Yeah, and she's been calling me mommy. Um, what should we tell her? And I said, I said, I'm sorry, she calls everyone this, uh, but I can address the name policy, and she she kind of adheres to it, just like our donor. And they said, Okay, and then they were fine. So, yeah, Umi and Uma, and I love it. It makes me smile so much. Umi and Uma. Umi? Uma? Umi? Uma? Yeah. (laughs) I love it. It's so funny because it is another thing where it's like, I feel like people project so much of an understanding of like heteronormative family models onto kids who are really just making like very easy sounds that they hear a lot of places, you know? (laughs) 
Because, um, yeah, I mean, we went through a huge phase, like, when Eloise first started, you know, talking. I mean, having a couple words and stuff. And obviously one of her first words was mama. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though Kelsey's mama and I'm mommy and mm-hmm. she called us both mama and anyone else who was a woman around her <laughs> yes. she wanted to get See? her attention was mama for, like, a long time. And you're like... It's just the only thing she can say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's not, it's not really a big thing. You don't have to read too much into it. They're just making sounds that they are capable of making. There's not many right now. So yeah, it's, but it is funny how people are like, I don't want you to get upset, but. Yes, but yeah, so we're, we're used to that. And yeah, that's how we became Umi and Uma. So you become Umi and Uma and then you decide to write a book and walk us through a little bit of the, how did the book come to be? Yeah, so the book actually came about, the whole entire idea came about when Samantha was about four to six months pregnant, and that was because we were building, sorry, Abigail's out there, Umi, Umi, uh, we were building our library, and we didn't have a book representing women of color within the queer community, so this was a problem, and then I just so happened to go to a Tony Robbins event, mm-hmm. and he said, how would you feel if you didn't complete a specific task or complete a goal within the next 10 years, how would that make you feel? And I looked at it like, oh, snap. I need a book representing my family for my daughter, for our daughter. I said, Samantha, uh, she, she didn't go with me. I was in Florida. I says, I called her. I said, Samantha, this is crazy. Um, one, I'm going to spend more money with Tony Robbins. <laughs> Two, because <laughs> he had a package deal, of course. Two, we're going to write a book. It's going to be a children's book about queer women of color becoming moms. And she said, okay. I said, oh, my wife is on board for two things, spending money plus <laughs> Tony Robbins, um, plus uh, the book. Um, and then I went home. Literally within two weeks, we wrote the book out together. Very thorough details, by the way. We had to find an independent publisher on to create the book it was a children's book we don't have any drawing skills at all well samantha is way better than me but like you know for a children's book no so i got on the wonderful world of social media typed in hashtag independent publishers i also wanted to personally work with a publisher of color because i felt like you know i just would have my message just drawn across with the characters of color in a different way and i found someone on social media to this day, we still have not met. We sent her pictures of us. Uh, mm-hmm. We sent her pictures of Google pictures, and she just took it to another level. She exceeded my expectations, and I thank her to this day for doing that. And I had to trust her, but I like the trust was easy because she's produced seven books. She's recognized. She has books in Barnes & Noble, which she helped our book get on barnesandnoble.com. Oh, I'm just still to this day happy with her, still. And she helped us produce a wonderful book, babe. Thank you again. You're welcome. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I know that Abby is calling for you, so we're going to go into our Q&A super quickly. But just a few quick multiple choice yes and no questions. Are you ready for our Q&A? Yes. Yes. All right, let's do it. Q, 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 and gay. Question one. Are you one of two mommies? A, yes, or B, no? (laughs) One of two mommies? Yes. (laughs) I am. Naisha is. Yes, yes yeah. you both there you are. Go. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, you're answering independently now, okay? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> question two, what would you prefer to be called? A, mom, B, mama, C, Umi, or D, Uma? Naisha goes for Uma. Umi? There you go. I'm also super excited to see what people write in for that one, because I bet we will get so many answers, and I'm so I'm Yeah, so I want to see what other people too. Like, are called as well. Three. What's your favorite children's book? A, Goodnight Moon, B, Where the Wild Things Are, C, Umi and Uma, and D, The Cat in the Hat. Oh, 
um, out of those, am I being biased? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, like, let me just sneak it in there. I'm yes. like, well, I'll put it as C. Thank you so much. Uh, we have the story of two moms and a baby. It's got to be. Uh, plus, because Goodnight Moon's kind of weird. Yes. When you actually <laughs> yes, it is. It's, it's a weird book. It's creepy. I don't know. Goodnight Nobody creeps me out every time. It's fine. <laughs> Goodnight Nobody. Nobody. And Canada is too long for our age yeah. group. Yeah. Mm. Question four. How would you most like to or have you already started your family a, known donor, B, anonymous donor, or C, adoption or fostering? Known donor, A. All right, question number five. Were you the A, gestational parent, B, non-gestational parent, or C, both? B, non-gestational both. parent. Huh? Oh, independently. Independently. <laughs> We're both. We're both. <laughs> Well, because Lee could answer both at a certain I w- right. I at, would say both at yeah. each yeah. at a different time. I've done both. Yeah. So, wow. I'm yeah. I'm I'm curious how how people have done it. So you know. So where can our listeners find you all on social media? Well, we are definitely live on um, Instagram. Two mommies and a baby. That's T W O mommies and a baby. We enjoy Instagram. We have fun. Uh, people share much love there, so we'll share the love back for sure. Awesome. And where can people find Umi and Uma? It is available on our personal website, Diverse Books Matter. Uh, and I'm very happy to say we will begin um, publishing our second book, Abigail Goes to Columbia, in the spring. Yay! Oh, that's <laughs> so exciting. Yes. And we will also have Naisha and Samantha do an Instagram story takeover on our Instagram. So make sure you send in your questions. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. It is always a delight talking to both of you. Thank you so Thank you. much. We appreciate <laughs> you even inviting us. We we had so much fun. Yes. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Let me hear you say hip, 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 we're gay. We love hearing from you and building our community, so we want to shout out some of our favorite things each episode. And I would love to shout out this week, Queen 24 on Instagram. They sent us a picture of a sticker with a hot woman on it and the word magic. I could probably be more specific, but my favorite part of their message was that they just sent this picture and said, magic is just a code word for gay, right? As we all know. As we all know, and I just want to say thank you for that. And thank you for spreading that knowledge to the rest of the world. I'm just happy we all know magic is just a code word for gay. So thank you, Killa Queen. <laughs> and thank you, Magic, for really just yes. being gay. Yes. <laughs> and as always, thank you to our Lesbian Jesus patrons, Lizette Stye, Tanya Ferguson, Jess Klaus, Danny Griswold, Sarah and Julia, Carrie Ann Lawrence, Mark Foster, Danny Gunluck Tamora, Audrey O'Connor, Wendy K. Bartlett, Brittany Ray, and Kayla Kelly. And a thank you to our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen. And remember, you can also find us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. You can send us an email at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. Whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, make sure that you subscribe, and that way you'll get new episodes as soon as they go up every week. We're also posting videos on our YouTube channel for our original music, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash leshangoutpod to catch them. If you want to help support the podcast, there are so many ways that you can do that, and we appreciate all of them. The first is free. It's easy. You go on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. 
Uh, helps new people find the podcast, and we always love reading the reviews. You can also join us on Patreon. Our patrons are our favorite people in the entire world. You can do that at bit.ly slash lespatreon. You can hang out in our Discord chat. We do Les Angels movie watches. We have some bloopers, particularly from this episode, where we had a lovely baby interrupt our session because... What would this episode be without a baby in the background, you know? Uh, but you can find those at bit.ly slash lespatreon. If you want to get some merch, you can find our Tea Public shop. We have a bunch of designs. You can get them on teas, on totes, on tanks, on sweatshirts, on all sorts of stuff. They all go the on teas. sale all the time. Uh, I just got another sweatshirt that I'm super excited about. Got one of those gay all day cubes. So yes. check it out. You can find it at bit.ly slash lesshop. And if you want to find us individually, you can find me at Ellie Brigida on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at LSH Foster. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again soon. Let's hang out. out.